1: Welcome back to another episode of Superhuman Radio. Kind of a different show today, but when you really think about it, it's not. Because being superhuman means being well-rounded and a lot of aspects of your life go into being superhuman. One of those things is earning money, (laughs) being gainfully employed, which uh, is problematic today. And we're going to talk about this period in time because I've learned, I'm 62 years old now, I've learned that there are always people who do well in hard times, and uh, maybe if we pay attention to some of this stuff, we can actually be one of those people. Before we get started, I have to thank my title sponsor, Legendary Foods, makers of the Tasty Pastry, which is basically a Pop-Tart remodeled to have nine grams of protein and less than one gram of sugar, but they also have the most delicious nut butters in the world. You'll think you're cheating, but you're not in the In the the words of Elisa Profumo, Uh, if you go to EatLegendary.com, use the code SHR and receive 10% off your entire order. Check them out. Show them some love because they really do uh, contribute in a way that makes this show possible. And so show them some love. Okay. Bring my guest on today. My guest is actually uh, no stranger. Uh, She's actually a fellow superhuman. Her name is August Cohen. How are you, August?
2: Fine, Carl. How are you?
1: Good, good. And we have known you for a long time, Alisa and I. We communicate. Uh, and actually, what really uh, made me want to do this interview with you is because I've known people that you've actually helped. Um, yeah. So, so first of all, you are not a headhunter, right? No. So
2: no what would you I'm call a yourself? Uh, career coach. Okay. Career coach. You know, that I do career services. So that would entail... Um, resumes, LinkedIn profiles, interview coaching, job search strategy, tactics, crisis management at work, that kind of stuff.
1: And I happen to know I was sitting next to my son, Chase, who you have helped. I I gave Mm -hmm. him your information. He worked directly with you. And because of the changes, the subtle changes, the little things that you can't believe, he got a call yesterday from uh, a headhunter. Yeah, And the job offer was unbelievable. And when he hung up, I said, how did you find that guy? And he says, no, I, he found me. I, he said, you know, what August has done for me is actually put me on people's radar. And right. that's gotta be way better than hunting for a job. When people come to you and say, Hey, there's a job that I think you should have.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. That's the ideal. You know, that's, I, I want my clients to be in a position to say no, you know, that they have enough opportunities coming to them. Now, you know, and we're going to talk a little bit about this, you know, uh, sometimes you got to put the effort into it, whether it's the effort like he did of hiring someone that's going to, you know, help take things to the next level, or if you're going to do it yourself, you know, there's different, definitely some effort into it, and that sort of separates those superhumans from when those, those that are not, you know, the ones that are to go out there, put the effort, expend the resources, and um, they do what they need to do.
1: Right. So, Am I wrong that there are people right now that are actually perhaps embarking on their best life ever during all this chaos? I mean, we're supposedly going to be at 20 percent unemployment, yeah. and which is which – is, I don't think people understand what that number means. But everybody is freaked out. There are a lot of people whose jobs have literally uh, just disappeared. They have no chance of going back to them
2: right right yeah there's a huge disruption in the market which makes it different uh than that 2008 2011 time period i actually started my business in january of 2008 so i'm familiar with these down markets and um that one you know besides real estate and banking you know it was sort of like a a universal crunch you know in all sectors but this one there are uh, businesses that are going away forever you know, that they'll never come back. But there's always a disruption, you know, opportunities will arise out of this, particularly, you know, in technology, you know, in that space. And um, so definitely, you know, there's a disruption and there's going to be some new opportunities. And sometimes you've got to sort of wait it out a little bit, you know, because it's still sort of settling down. You know, they had the initial sort of disruption And I had a lot of clients get hired during that period because, uh, fortunately or unfortunately, a lot of companies were clean in-house. Because I work with a lot of these seed levels, and they're saying, you know, this is the opportunity. We're definitely being careful of who we let go and who we keep. And then, you know, there was uh, a lot of opportunities. So I initially had some, and now it's calmed down a little bit as it's going through that second phase of Figuring out, you know, what the market's going to do, what's going to be sticky, what's the government going to do. So, um, but there is definitely going to be some opportunities, but it's going to look real different. And I don't know that anybody 100% knows what that difference is besides, you know, um, further exploiting technology, you know, and how we go about work and how we do things more efficient.
1: So companies are actually taking advantage of COVID-19. And what they're doing is they're blaming COVID-19 for uh, make forcing them to change their compensation packages, but they're going to keep it that way after COVID nineteen is over. So there are lots of companies who are actually going. Wow, we can actually use this to our advantage and tighten up our ship.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, there's two thoughts about that. One, it's not totally illegitimate. That I think you know many of the clients I talk to. They would rather be employed than unemployed. If a company really does need to cut back, instead of close down, if that will allow them to stay in business, but you're right, they're going to maybe they will try to do that. And I went through this the last time. But as soon as the market picks up, they're going to lose those people, you know, because there's going to be other companies that are like, we're ready to pay, we want to grow, we want to. That's right. very short sighted for a company. Now, I, I definitely think there is a place, and I can understand while you know, like, let's you know, if our profits are down. and we need to cut salary 20%, that's a life-saving strategy for a while. But if they think they're going to be able to extend that when the market comes around, it won't work. It didn't work the last time because somebody will be picking your employees off or they're going to be lucky.
1: Is now the time for people to consider changing careers or is now the time for people to look at their current career path and think, how can I make a, a big jump right now and take advantage of what's going on?
2: Well, I'll give the simple answer and then I'll give the complex answer because I know the superhuman audience, you know, are complex thinker, but <laughs> simply, you know, good times, bad times, the fastest way to another job at the best salary that you can get what the market will bear is being as closely aligned to what you're already doing. Mm. So that's, you know, that's your biggest strength. That's the value you have. That being said, um, you have to, sometimes you have to think outside the box because, uh if your industry is sort of like going away you might have to think about going to another industry you don't have a choice you know if it's not there anymore you also have to think about how much savings you have i coach you know like entrepreneurs or people that want to start their own business and they got like a month of savings it's like how long is it going to take you to ramp up so you have to look at your financial situation i have some clients that have gotten very attractive severance packages Mm -hmm. you know that will for a year or so and they're in a to go and do something different, but you have to look at um, what your industry is, how viable it is, what your skill set is, and how much money you have to take a chance to start something new, especially if you may take a job now if it's with a company that already provides you a salary or well, great, you know, but you have to understand you're going to have a lot of com- competition with great talent for that job and the company is going to want the best value for the buck, And that's going to be usually somebody that's already done it. But one of the most flexible is salespeople, you know, yeah. that they can sort of, if you're a superstar salesperson, they'd rather have that and they'll teach you the product. So, um, there's not an easy answer to it, but if, you know, if the, um, if your job is still stable or your industry is still stable, but you want to make more money, you can jump, you know, closely aligned, um, or if you have the resources, you know, to be able to uh, withstand a little bit of time to take, you know, take a chance. But um, so that's, you know, probably the the short answer and the complex answer. And I do have some clients, you know, that have had some other really interesting opportunities, but it's usually with a piece of something that they've already done. It's usually not totally like I've never done this before. It's my passion, but I have no experience in it. That's going to be a little bit harder, but I've had people sort of what I call the next best thing. So maybe they have their primary skill set that maybe the market doesn't even have a use for anymore, but their secondary skill set or what they can parallel over with, they can switch. And usually that's activity, you know, to to be able to usurp somebody that's already in the field. If you're sort of close to it, but not exact, if you work harder, work smarter, work longer, you're going to usurp the person that, you know, is doing nothing. So...
1: Jeff Clifton Clifton, uh, says, uh, I would think health coaches, personal trainers, and naturopathic doctors will have more opportunities. You would think that, but that depends on the marketplace seeing the value. I don't think that people, you know, coming out of COVID, I really thought people were going to say, wow, I better get in shape so next time this Uh, happens, I'm not the comorbid guy. You know what I mean? But I don't think that's, uh, do you see that happening? Do you see that No."
2: No, I don't see that happening. And I have a lot of friends. You know, we're in this sort of space together that are really struggling um, with that now. If somebody is, you know, has the the resources and their job isn't affected, yeah, they're you know investing in their health coach or personal trainer. But you know, now everything like is virtual, so that was a problem too because it was sort of virtual and it wasn't as appealing. You know, but I've had some that try to you know go online and do group classes and. It was really, really hard to get off off the ground. But I I find like you, people are just not grasping that their health uh, is so important now that they could be uh, they don't have to be a statistic if they could follow, you know, follow a better health path. And we see that. I mean, the media doesn't support it. You know what they're promoting, even when they go out there and they say that two thirds of the people that die are obese or ninety nine percent have comorbidities. Their 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 solution
1: is just to hide away in the house. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I know. And 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 the other thing is, you're punished if you even say th- like like I can say it because I used to be 330 pounds. I had a heart problem. I had all these things, right? So when I say it, I always joke and say, "Look, I'm a card-carrying fat person." <laughs> yeah, like, like, so I'm gonna, you know, I can talk about this. But the reality is, even I can't really talk about it the way I want to because someone will be offended, and I, we have to get past this. Not being able to talk about real issues because someone will be offended—that that's a real. Big problem. I know,
2: I know, you know, and that's the the beauty of us finding our own tribe. You know, when we aren't getting that support in the bigger community, we try to find our tribe. Now, of course, there's a whole other conversation about how Facebook and Twitter and all these things are trying to clap, clamp down the message. You know, you know, feed. So it, again, you have to put that extra effort in because. No, we really we don't have any support out there. So, right, right. Um, you know, we just have to find our own tribe and find our own way. And thankfully, you know, your show is still on the air. And, you know, but uh, I've seen many of my uh, friends post things and uh, it's wiped out, you know, or saying yeah. fact check or something like that. So you have, to, you have to do your own, you know, like in everything, you got to do your own work.
1: Yeah. So, uh, so do you think that people should be looking back? at previous periods of epidemics to see what you know because people say oh it's never going to be the same like it's a bad thing like i think we're going to see a lot more people working from home as a result of this, because right. employers are going wow we don't need all this office space we were just as productive right. everybody worked from home so we're going to see a lot more people working from home so making a small investment in a home office doesn't have to be elaborate it's probably a good idea right now right
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's funny. That's one of uh, some of my clients that are doing really well are the ones that are supporting the transition to home office. You know, I have a guy that um, does office sales. You know, office furniture sales, and Mm -hmm. he he can't. He's going. You know, he he's hiring people. He can't do. You know, he he can't keep up with it fast enough. So that's one of the ones. You know, that's sort of benefiting. You know, laptops, uh, communication software. You know, everybody's heard about Zoom, you know, so those kind of things have really done it. But I always say that, you know, Americans have a short memory, you know, anything when you think back to September 11th and, you know, people say, oh, we're never going to be the same again. And and three years later, we're the same again, you know, and I think that's not all bad You know, to our benefit. We don't let uh, crises and disasters and economic pandemics, you know, bring us down. So I don't think that's all bad. Um, but there will be some changes, I think more, um, like you said, more working at home. Mm-hmm. So there, you know, some employers are going to want to get back to sort of more micromanaging their employees and, and want them in the office. And it's really hard for parents, you know, to work from home. So all of that needs to be sorted out. So I do think there are going to be some things that are definitely going to be sticky, you know, when we open back up, but I don't know that it's going to be as dramatic as, you know, some people think, and I don't know that it's going to last forever you right. know and that, that isn't always a bad
1: thing but I think I think working from home could be something like if you're already in a position to work from home and you're applying for a new job you could say and look I, I already have a home office I have broadband I have a, you know a phone system I can I can work because um, there's a local bank here in town that just recently switched to ATM for everything. But it's a human ATM. So when you go up and you enter your information, a human being at another location gets on and says, right. what can we do for it? All those people are working from home right now. Right. And the ones that were able to keep the job, they happened to have something as simple as really good broadband. You know, yeah. I mean, you know they, they needed that broadband. So they were like, OK, everybody who's got broadband, well, you're going to work from home. The rest of you will have to fi- figure out what to do with you later.
2: Yeah. And, you know, and usually companies will provide, you know, depending on the situation, but usually they're going to provide that and even some of the tools where you run into trouble. Like I have one client that lives in a rural area and every time they want to go online, they have to go in town to the coffee, you know, so it's sort of like and that person doesn't want to move. So I think that's sort of more an accessibility issue that. Maybe that is something that's going to come to light of how important we have got to have 100 percent access, you know, across the country for everyone. Um, But companies, you know, in some situations, um, you know, more, I guess, stable companies will provide some of those resources. But some companies, hey, if we can pick between two people and you already have the setup and we don't have to invest, you're going to come out ahead.
1: Absolutely. Patrick Rogers raises a good point. And we've been getting more and more of this. Discussion rising to the top. There's been this big emphasis on going to college, yeah and all, all the people who go to college, they do get something special. Employers look at your ability to finish college, even if the your area of studies does not translate to the job. They look at you as somebody who finishes things. So there, right. there is a the value. But what is that value worth when you come out of college forty thousand dollars in the hole, like right out of college? So we're seeing a lot more people talking about trades, right? right. But back in the day when I was a kid, um, tradesmen jobs were looked at as like, yeah, they, didn't, they missed out in life. They're, they're breaking their back. They're manual laborers. Mm-hmm. Today, they're healthier than the rest of us who sat at desks for the past 40 years, by the way. But yeah. th- th- Patrick points yeah. out there are lots of jobs available on, on road and bridge construction, where they will teach folks these trades. A lot of these folks have continued to work through this time. There is a shortage in this type of worker. And mm-hmm. and we need to we need to somehow get out of the stigma of thinking, well if you work with your hands and your back, you're somehow stupid. Because I know a girl who became a welder, she makes two hundred dollars an hour welding.
2: Yeah. 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 I, you know, I, I would hope that people don't have that stigma and listen, I'm the first one, you know, that feels if you have the inclination and can invest in getting your college degree, it's a gift that keeps on giving though the majority of people in the U S don't have one. I mean, it's probably like 75, 78%. So the majority of the people don't. And, um, and, and you always hope, and this goes back to, you know, we had an appreciation of more of our uh, service workers, you know, back in 2011, uh, you know, September 11 and then it sort of fades away. And now again, I mean, even like in our local community, you know, they're applauding the, uh, um, food, food shelf stoppers, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think, um, I mean, I hope that there will be a, you know, a, an appreciation. We, we need all of all, all types of workers and all types of things and their jobs are a little bit more stable, then, you know, like doctors, you know, like dermatologists, you know, technology is looking at and taking the place of, you know, some of the surgeries, some of the pathology, Uh, you know, some of the doctors are a little nervous because AI and everything is coming in there. But, you know, I think anybody that's had to have their air conditioning service or their toilet service has got to have a lot of appreciation for tradesmen. So uh, I think there's absolutely nothing wrong and people can have a very, uh, viable, happy career if they want to do that.
1: Where Where are some of the uh, hidden gems of technology today? So like like my son lives in California because that's where a lot of technology is. Are there other cities that are starting to uh, beckon big tech to their cities so that they can start producing jobs in the tech area?
2: Well, Austin, you know, is a big one. Austin, besides Silicon Valley and uh, Research Triangle Park, you know, in the Raleigh-Durham area have you know been hot spots that have done it but what is interesting is sometimes it's more like a think tank or an area or a business sets up like a warehouse and starts bringing you know incubators in so it's not necessarily uh, a city all the time sometimes it's just these pockets within cities you know again you got to go and find your tribe you know almost anywhere i I was talking to one client and it was somewhere in Ohio, you know, just a really small town, but they had taken over like a warehouse, you know, sort of like where they, you know, how they have these artists lofts and then they don't like incubators, you know, and there were some great ideas and some businesses coming out of that. So um, I definitely think, you know, um, Silicon Valley and Austin and RTP and, you know, are, are really, um, you know, doing well, but, you know, you can sort of create if you can find your tribe, you know you can create almost anywhere. but there is an advantage, you know especially to funding venture capital funding, you know, if you're in those areas where there are uh, more opportunities and more people and you know invested in
1: it. yeah. and it, is it worth it for people to go back and look at what happened in previous? pandemics, let's say, to see what jobs ended up becoming popular that weren't? Can, can we look back historically and learn anything that would help people move forward in their job choices?
2: I I don't know so much because, you know, the, the world is so different. You know, we didn't even have, you know, technology in, you know, the Spanish flu. I mean, the, the thing, I think what is not so much the focus on a particular job because, we evolve so fast, you know, um, with our technology and everything. It's more the process. Who were the ones that survive? Were they the healthier people, the more ambitious people, the ones that work harder, the ones that are going to invest in themselves or invest in continuing education or trades or whatever? I think that has been consistent. You know, I don't know of any uh, economic crisis, you know, where, you know, even when the government hands out the opportunities... Somebody has still got to be first in line and be the harder worker and capture that. But I think it's more of the process, you know, that if you are willing to put in the work and, um, you know, I'll share a story of a client that I had back at the, you know, the the last downturn and he was from Israel and he spoke Hebrew and he had his own business and it was floundering. So he wanted to go back to corporate America and he was really having, you know, struggling and, um, He said, it's because I'm Hebrew and it's because I have an accent. Nobody's going to hire me, blah, 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 blah. And I thought it was his crappy resume, but he was convinced it was that. So (laughs) I said, okay, so how much is that hurting you? Give me a percent. You know, how much does somebody that's from America and speaks, you know, standard English, you know, how much of a benefit that you have? And he says, oh, they got at least 25% easier than me. I said, well, you know what you do? You do 130% of the work. You know, and then you just overcame all those barriers that you feel that were against you. Just do Just work harder. Right. You know, if you think if you're, you know, think that's the case, go ahead and do it. I mean, he had a job in two weeks. He you know, so had to redo the resume. So I think it was still more of that. But, you know, he was convinced in his head, you know, had this, you know, almost self-fulfilling prophecy. So I had to talk him off the ledge and then, you know, give him the tools. But. Uh, those are the people that are always going to thrive are the ones that are healthy and are going to do the work. I mean, healthy physically and mentally and are going to do the work. Does that make sense?
1: Absolutely. I want to take a break. And when we come back, uh, I want to talk about what are the the things that people do that sabotage? um, Mm -hmm. And also what are the important things today? If you're looking for a job that you need to brush up, Uh, because I want, I want to say this now. So Uh, August has worked with both my adult children, uh, Taylor and Chase, and Chase is getting calls now for jobs that he would have never uh, had opportunities uh, to get calls for because of what August Mm -hmm. has done. Taylor is looking to change careers. I hope she doesn't. I really hope she stays in her career because she's so good at it. But nonetheless, uh, both of my children, I've just put them in touch with August. They paid her directly. They worked with her directly. And they are both thrilled with what has happened. Mm-hmm. And and I want to I want to put this in a way that people understand the, the spirit uh, of it. You're not going to make omelets without breaking eggs. You are not going to change your outcome without taking some steps. And sometimes those steps cost a few dollars. But mm-hmm. my son Chase, I was sitting right next to him yesterday. He got a hundred and sixty five thousand dollar a year offer, a job that he's going to go. He's, he's actually going to interview for. And he said to me, they called him, and he said to me, this would have never happened if it wasn't for August. And I, August isn't representing. I said, well, did she send this company to you? He goes, no. He goes, the things that she did, when people go and look at my, my LinkedIn page and uh, and mm-hmm. my resume, I'm immediately considered a candidate for the job. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk about what are the things that people do wrong right out of the gate when they're trying to present
2: themselves Yeah, yeah
1: yeah yeah all right we're going to take a break stay tuned we'll be right back Do you remember those delicious toaster pastries you had when you were a kid? You know, the rectangular sugar-filled snacks? Well, guess what? Legendary Foods has just made low-carb toaster pastry. This is the first of its kind, and honestly, these things are amazing. They have three to four net carbs, less than one gram of sugar, and nine grams of protein. You can eat them right out of the wrapper or lightly toast them. The only question is, which flavor? Strawberry or brown sugar cinnamon? They're available at EatLegendary.com and Amazon. That's R-E-D-C-O-N, the number one, dot com, or go to net and click the Redcon 1 banner ad today. I love beef, and if you love beef, listen up. I've discovered the best tasting beef in the world, and that's not an exaggeration, at com. The Piedmontese breed is famous from Italy for being lean and unbelievably tender with half the fat and calories of traditional beef. Even typically tough cuts are tender when it comes from the Piedmontese cows. And for the first time ever, Piedmontese cows are being raised here in the USA. Get two free 10-ounce New York strips when you purchase $50 or more at Piedmontese.com with code SHR. Go to P I E D M O N T E S E dot com and use code SHR today. You will never eat any other
0: type of beef ever again. Productive at RenewLifeRx.com.
1: Imagine if you had a digital twin, one that you could compare your own health and fitness outcomes to, one that showed you whether or not the things you're doing, food you're eating, or drinks you're drinking are actually working for you or against you. Well, now you can. The first ever advanced epigenetic saliva test that compares 20 million different data points of your DNA to help predict what is aging you faster or keeping you younger is being introduced to my audience at a 70% discount from the normal price. Go to seeds.md epigenetic dash test today to learn how to get your own digital twin that will help you take the steps to live longer and stay stronger. Don't wait because this is a limited time offer not available anywhere else. Once these tests are gone, they're gone. Again, go to seeds.md epigenetic dash test today to learn more you're listening to the
0: superhuman channel don't hate us because we feel good
1: welcome back we're talking with august cohen we're talking about career paths in troubled times a story of movers and shakers a term that was used when I was a young man, implying that there were people out there who had an energetic approach to life and they didn't stand by and wait for things to happen to them. They made things happen, and that is true now too. There are opportunities out there today because of what's going on. It's your job to see them. But once you see them, you have to present yourself in such a fashion where people go, I want that person on my team. And that is exactly what August specializes in. She specializes mm-hmm. in making you look better than you think you are. Isn't that the number one mm-hmm. problem? Don't people not, don't, they, 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 they're they poor assessors of their own abilities and, and talents.
2: Yes, and they just go in and do their job. I hear this all the time. You know, it's like I never thought of it that way. I just go in and do my job. I don't think I'm exceptional, no matter how high the level, because, and especially if they're really talented, the job's easy for them you know, they don't think it's anything special. It's like, I just go in and do my job and, you know, but to an outside person, it's like, wow, you know, that's amazing. So yeah, they have a really hard time of understanding how to bring out their value. You know, most of the resumes that I look at, people just copy and paste their job description and stick it and plug it into the resume. And it's sort of like, there's nothing about your unique value proposition, your brand, your achievements and everybody. and, And that's what a lot of people do. So everybody else who's popping in their job description, there's no way to distinguish you from anybody else. You know, so that's uh it is very uh hard for people to self-reflect. And then, you know, a lot of people don't want to brag. It's like, I don't want to brag. I was talking to a guy yesterday, he goes, I don't want to feel make it feel like I'm better than he's a manager and he's like, I don't want to I want everybody to be equal. You know, I, I don't want my employees to think I'm better than them. It's like, well let's just talk about the facts. You know, and sometimes you just gotta take the emotion out of it and these feelings out of it and, um, you know, to dig a little bit deeper, but that is what a lot of people struggle with.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I, we were joking just yesterday, you know, Taylor was saying, like when you read what August writes about you, you look at it and go, yeah, I guess that is me. Like, but <laughs> yeah, people, really- people just, people are not okay. There's, there are some people that are just not great self promoters and mm-hmm. then there's people who don't really have the credentials but they self promote the heck out of themselves. And yeah. you look at them and because they believe in themselves so that they're so wonderful, mm-hmm. everybody else goes, Oh, they must be wonderful or they wouldn't be saying yeah. that about themselves.
2: I into it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: So yeah. what what are the what are the biggest pitfalls that people make when they decide it's time for me to change careers or I'm gonna use this opportunity, there's companies that are gonna be hiring, I'm gonna springboard over where I was into a better position. Uh, what do they? What do they forget to do in order to present themselves properly?
2: Well, one thing is, people all the time and employees all the time underestimate the value of LinkedIn. LinkedIn is the number one way that companies, hiring managers, recruiters source for new uh, new talent. So they really don't understand, um, you know, how they have to leverage that, how they have to use it leverage it. Uh you know, the number one way that uh you know people usually get jobs is through networking and the new platform for networking is LinkedIn. It's it's you know really practically put recruitment software out of business. You know, many companies will only post their jobs on LinkedIn, you know, or post it in their stream or post it in their group. So if you're not on LinkedIn you're missing all these opportunities. Before the pandemic, majority of positions were not posted. They went to um, LinkedIn or the hiring manager, the HR, the recruiter, or they requested their employees go out and uh, help refer people in because uh, companies know that's the best way to find talent and talent that will be retained. And often companies will even give a sign-on bonus, you know. if you refer somebody in so where do people go they go to linkedin to look for this so you got to understand how to op- your, optimize your profile
1: and to be found so you do that as part of your services right yeah i now, do now now if, think, do you have people who just want can you just fix my linkedin page or do they do they want more than that typically
2: um you well the linkedin is based on the resume so if you got a mm. crappy resume you're going to have a crappy profile you know, it's, <laughs> not gonna, you know, it's not going to excite anybody so usually it's, um, you know, you, you really need to go ref- on the resume and make sure that's optimized. And then you go and optimize your LinkedIn profile. Now, I do have clients that they have, a, you know, not everybody needs my services, you know. Um, so, you know, if their resume is strong, you know, I'm not going to try to get them to redo their resume. Then, you know, I can do their LinkedIn profile or, you know, I can coach them on doing their LinkedIn profile because I really like to give somebody the tools. If I do it, it'll be optimized and it'll be better but if they they have to understand all the nuances and the things under the hood and the different uh, features that you can use to really optimize it,
1: how long does it take to take somebody? If someone reaches out to you, they can get to you. There's two ways people can reach uh, August Cohen. You can go to her mm-hmm. website, gethiredstayhired.com, dot com, or you mm-hmm. can search for her uh, August Cohen on LinkedIn. I also have the uh, the, the URL. It's LinkedIn dot com slash in slash best resume writer slash Mm -hmm. you can get right to her LinkedIn page that way. If somebody Mm -hmm. reached out to you today because of the show, they're like, I'm going to go for it. I really want to, Mm -hmm. I want to be one of the people that actually springboards from this, this dilemma. How long does it take for you to do your, what you need to do?
2: Well, I have sort of two programs. One is the white glove, which um, Chase and Taylor did. That's a a process that can take up to six weeks. And there's a lot of pre-work that I do uh, it's very intensive. It takes a long time. And those, you know, to do the, the resume and the LinkedIn for that is, uh, and, and, and that's usually all I recommend. I, I don't recommend cover letters, you know, resume blasting services, biographies, you know, my colleagues love selling them they're additional revenue streams, but I only promote what's working, and, and, you know, what works. And the resume and the LinkedIn profile, that white glove service is between two and $3,000. Now I have another service that's sort of like the mini version of that, I call it the quick career boost. And that's between 375 and 995. Super fast turnaround, you know, versus, you know, four to six weeks, it's, you know, three to five days, and um, they still get the high touch service, they still get to be interviewed to develop the information. <laughs> and uh, that has been, of course, in this time, extremely popular, where people don't have the budget for that, and they don't have the time to wait. Right. Because my clients always say, August, oh, you said be first in line, not last in line. So, you know, you got to to turn it around fast. So those are sort of like the two extremes of what I do. And also I have on my um, website, uh, on my LinkedIn page and on my website, because, you know, I'm really focused on LinkedIn now, you know, a lot of free resources. I got articles, I got videos to tell you, you know, different things you can do with your LinkedIn. So, um, you know, people are are welcome to go and and do that. And I want to do some more this week, but there's definitely, you know, some free resources out there too.
1: So Dave Rambat, uh, I guess he he just got here. He said, investing in home office setup is key to helping your performance stand out. A poor setup can drastically impact performance and could hinder ra- uh, raises or job retention. Companies invest in their office setup to get most production out of a worker, and you need to have the same mindset from your homework area. And, yeah. I, and I do agree with that. And I and, and we were talking about that a little earlier, that – there's, I, I predict there's going to be a shift uh, because a lot of companies are going right now. Like I got a buddy here, Brian, and he's been working from home and, and I, you know, he's, he's part of a very, very large company called POS and they, they um, do invoicing for physicians all over the country and mm-hmm. they all, all these sophisticated uh, support things that they, they provide, you know, texting when your appointment is ready and, and mm-hmm. he's been working from home for two months. And I mm-hmm. said to him, I said, Brian, do you think that you're going to come back to this office? He goes, We're talking about it. He goes, the the the, the owners like, you know, I got, they've got offices for every salesperson in, in Ohio and Kentucky all around. Like, you just get people to work from home, and they're, they're more productive, right? You don't have to drive to work, you don't have to drive home from work. Now, there are caveats to that. You know, he's got five kids, and it, so that, yeah. Means, yeah, that means he needs to have. And he does, you know. He's got a big house, so he actually took a place and set it up. And everybody knows that when Daddy's working, he's working. You know, he's not there. But uh, I think that we're going to start seeing more and more uh, uh, of employers asking. It may not be a prerequisite for the job, but it could be an extra uh, feather in your cap if they say, "Do you have a, a Do you have a good work from home environment?" Yes. What do you got? Well, you know, I've got this, I got that, I got broadband. You know, I got I can do Skype and Zoom and blah blah. blah. Okay, great. Like that may be something that's important in the future.
2: Well, I think, especially if, like I said, if you're living in a rural area where you have all these barriers, that's going to be tough. So it's going to be interesting to see how that changes our demographics and and what uh, and I concur with what David said. He he said that really well earlier about you know, having uh, a really quality home office and, um, you know, presenting yourself as a professional and everything, but it is interesting. Yeah. I definitely think there's going to be more remote workers. It can be a cost savings for the company, which makes you wonder what's going to happen to all this real estate, you know, all this real estate. I mean, there are some companies that have already shuttered their buildings and so we're never opening the building back up. So that's going to be sort of an interesting phenomenon. Um, but I but I have been through this even in my own career before I started my own business. These phases, you know, um, centralized, decentralized, open office space, closed office yeah, space, right. work from home, you know, don't work from home. So and they, they seem to always go back from wanting you to come into the office because they want to micromanage you. Now, uh, you know, maybe this will be different because this is a health issue, you know, and they don't want the liability or, you know, the cost involved with sterilizing these environments, you know because they're probably going to think they have to do it forever now. So that's an interesting factor. I mean, there's a lot of unknowns, but yeah, I definitely concur. There's going to be more people working from home, you know, will it last forever? I mean, it's it's so much better for the environment, for time, but it is a challenge for some people. And some people don't like it. And some managers do want to micromanage you a little bit more. So I think it's, it's going to level itself out, you know, to the side of more people being comfortable and more companies being comfortable than it was before. But I don't know if it's, going to, if it's going to be at this extreme. And it's going to be real interesting to see what the real estate market happens. That, and, and
1: we were talking about that just recently. A buddy of mine and I were talking. There's going to be a lot of office space that's just not going to be rented out. And they're going mm-hmm. to have to do something with that office space, something else. Well, I have
2: a, a client that um, does like temporary space, sort of like an e-work. It doesn't work for e-work, but it's a similar kind of thing. And they're really, you know, they're getting interest. They're not like knocking it out of the park, but they're doing, um, you know, they're really expanding it from the model of, you know, okay, um, business, you know, sometimes you do have to have people meet in the same thing. You know, you have an employee that's traveling to home office, and if there's no home office, where are you going to meet? You know, so they're doing this sort of, you know, co-working and these temporary short-term office spaces, which, And they're getting a lot of interest, and so you know they're just getting ready. A lot of the companies just get ready to pull the trigger on that to set that up because um, it's more cost effective to only hire the office when you need it. You know, and if you need twenty rooms because you have the sales team coming in, or if you only have two because you're doing a performance review, you know. um, So that's really interesting. So hopefully, maybe some of this empty space can be repurposed.
1: Yeah, it's going to have. They're going to have to find something to do with it because it's just not going to sit out there. I mean, we got downstream effects of that office space is mortgages and those mortgages are, are involved in investment portfolios. And I mean, it's just, you know, some, yeah. something's going to have to happen. Yeah. Um, and and
2: but, I was gonna say, you don't want to underestimate too the social aspects of it. You know, many people, you know, they really miss, you yes. know, they love their kids, they love their family, but it's a little bit too much love. And they love the, uh you know, being able to be around, you know, other adults and, talk and not have the distraction and the excitement in the environment, especially people like me, that are extroverts. You know, we get our energy from other people. We want to be out there. So I think, um, and that's why, and I think you've touched on this in your show, you know, always a concern of things during this time is suicide and depression and things like that. um, That I think, You know, I don't think we're ever just going to have everybody working at home. There's going to still be some people that love that human connection and want to get in, you know, want to be around other people. Oh, you're right. right. Yeah, Yeah. you're absolutely
1: right. Yeah, people love, you know, that's why coffee shops have become so popular. People set their laptops up there and and sit and work because they're tired of sitting at home and working. They want to be out with other people. And so, no, you're absolutely right. That's an aspect that I really didn't consider because I was about to say to you, well, you know, we have software now that monitors, you know, you check in, it, keystrokes. Keystrokes, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I have quite a few people who work for me that have worked for me for years. Like Michael Quantico lives in the Philippines. He's worked for me for 10 years. But I work with him through Upwork, which is an outsourcing website. And, mm-hmm. you know... And I, I don't even look at his diaries anymore because he's worked for me for so long that I, I he's right you know beyond he is, yeah. trustworthy. But when I hire somebody new, I go and look. I'm like, wow, they, they billed me for an hour and a half, and they, the keystrokes were like, you know, ten every ten minutes. Like, what were they doing? <laughs> they just yeah. open the window up and every and keep it alive once in a while, and then, then i <laughs> yeah. and I'll question like, what were you doing at that time? So we yeah. have ways for the micromanagers yeah, to still micromanage you from home. Yeah. But I do think that people will forever want to go to work, especially when you're young, right? Out of college, you can't wait to get into the workplace, go out to dinner after with friends, and and be Happy part of that. Home- yeah, yeah. 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 That, that, that's that's probably one of the reasons that we will not go exclusively to work from home situations. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, and, let's take this last commercial. Oh, I'm sorry, did I step on you? No,
2: I was going to say, in collaboration, usually is still easier live, even though you know you can do it and you know
1: um you know Zoom Virtual, or whatever yeah, it's yeah. not
2: the same thing it's just not the same but no, yeah
1: no you're right we're going to take our last commercial break when we come back we'll wrap up the interview we got a couple more questions but this is the time folks if you feel like oh my god you know what's going to happen to me because of the current state of uh, the economy believe me the economy is going to come back it always does yeah. But where will you be when it comes back? Will you be sitting there waiting for an old job to reopen and hoping that your your unemployment doesn't run out? Or are you going to jump to the front of the line? I love that. I love that, August. You want to be on the front of the line, not the back of the line, because people are going to start getting hired again real soon. Real, mm-hmm. real soon. So now is the time to look at your resume, look at your LinkedIn page, reach out to August. Uh, You can go to her website, gethiredstayhired.com, or you can go to her LinkedIn page, just search for August Cohen, uh, C-O-H-E-N, and also her LinkedIn page is linkedin.com slash in, I-N slash best resume writer slash, and let her take a look at your stuff and make some suggestions because this literally right now, while everybody is kvetching and worried about what's going to happen in their lives, this could actually be the door, the embarkation point for you leading your best life ever. But you just mm-hmm. got to see it that way. That's mm-hmm. that's the first step. Yeah. All right. All right. stay tuned. We'll be right back with more.
2: Quest Nutrition makes bars, cookies, chips, and pizzas out of complete dairy-based proteins. Our products minimize net carbs and sugar without sacrificing taste. Each delicious chocolate-flavored chip Cookie Chunk and Crunchy Crumble is custom
0: made to maintain Quest macros. It's time to enjoy foods that work for you, not against you. It's time to enjoy your Quest.
1: You've heard about blood flow restriction training since 2006 on SHR, but you're still on the fence. Well, here's the push. BFR is more effective at building muscle than anabolic steroids. That's right. I went there, but it's because it's the truth. My experience with the Be Strong blood flow restriction system is proof to me. And now I'm asking myself why I waited so long. You'll see undeniable changes in the targeted muscles in days and weeks like nothing you've ever tried before. I will never stop using them. Give Be Strong a try. Go to bstrong.training forward slash super hyphen human and use code SHR
0: for 10% off You'll gain with it. Ever wish
1: there was a precise way to gauge your recovery from workout to workout? Or wonder if the money you're spending on your nootropic supplements are actually improving brain function? Maybe you're aging and you're noticing some changes in memory. Wouldn't being able to really test your brain be of great value? Well, now you can with great accuracy with the Brain Gauge. The Brain Gauge lets you test essential components of brain health and track your brain health history and all in the comfort of your own home. Go to GaugeYourBrain.com and use code SHR for $150 off this amazing device. That's gaugeyourbrain.com and SHR for $150 off. Are you a fan of the low-carb lifestyle? Having trouble getting fat adapted on your keto diet? Feel like your digestion has stalled? Now there's Capex. Capex increases fat loss and energy on any low-carb, no-carb diet, all while improving digestion. Capex boosts AMPK in muscles by 52% and fat cells by 300%. Capex increases ATP in your liver by 22%, a key part of energy production, all while revving up the fat-burning hormone adiponectin by a whopping 248. percent. Nothing works like Capex, and now you can get Capex for up to 42% off by going to kenergize.com SHR and choosing one of the purchase options and using the code SHR. That's K-E-N-E-R-G-I-Z-E dot com slash SHR and code SHR. Hey, this is Carl. For 14 years, you've heard me talk about can eye drops, and they being the reason that I do not need reading glasses at now 61 years old. But I regularly get emails and messages from people who've been using CanSee and having some amazing results. Recently, I got an email from a fellow named Chad, who, because he was on dexamethasone eye drops for over six months, developed a cataract. CanSee eye drops actually reduced my cataract to the point where even my doctor has a hard time finding it. I will never stop using CanSee eye drops twice a day. I've been using them since 2008, he says. And you should be, too. There is no better way to keep your eyes healthy and seeing clearly, then can see eye drops. Go to wisechoicemedicine.com today and get on board and we will both be looking into the future with very clear
0: vision. This is the Superhuman Channel. Doing reps with the weight of the world.
1: Welcome back. We're talking with August Cohen. She's helped a lot of people step up their game and find paths to new careers. And you got to do this stuff if you expect to see change. If you just keep doing the same stuff over and over again, you're not going to see any change. And there are opportunities out there right now. I guarantee you there are opportunities out there right now. But you have to prepare yourself to be approached And you have to look like someone they want to approach. And the only way you could do that is to turn to somebody like August to do this for you. Because I know, we talked about this before the show. I am a horrible, horrible Mm self-promoter. Like, I don't promote myself at all. I don't write books. I don't go on other people's (laughs) shows. I don't do Mm -hmm. any of that. And the reason is because when I think about it, I think to myself, you know, I'm just this guy who hosts this podcast. Like, I'm not, not, (laughs) you know. But the reality is that I have peers out there that... Probably are the same quality as I am, but they are out there promoting themselves and lecturing and stuff like that. So I am a living proof of what not self-promotion <laughs> does for you. I'm 14 years in this, behind this microphone, and there are so many people who just launched podcasts three years ago who have much bigger audiences than I do because they're just better at self-promoting. You need somebody like August who will do it for you.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, that's really sweet, Carl. But I'd like to give the listener some concrete tips that they can use and and take away, you know, um, because like I said, not everybody needs to come to, you know, resume writer, career coach. And uh, one thing, you know, as far as your resume, do not put your picture on the resume. You know, um, a lot of they have template services out there. That create resumes and i encourage you not to use a template you know it doesn't go through the applicant tracking system well it's not in the format that the audience likes to see the info but a lot of them allow you to um put up a picture and that is a definite no-no in america you know in other countries it's not so bad but here that's usually an automatic talk so don't put your you know picture on the resume um don't put the reason that you're leaving or that you left in your resume, <laughs> I see that sometimes people have a line, reason for leaving, you know. If you need to discuss that, you can discuss that in the interview. Just, you know, taking up space. You don't need to go back to the beginning of time, you know, to that lemonade stand out of, you know, high school, you know, on your resume. You know, uh, you know it, it, particularly in technology, you know, 8 to 10 years, your C-level, 8 to 12, maybe 15, it depends. But in each one, you know, that you go back, it's a little bit less info. Um, and again, particularly in, in technology, some people will, you know, have, uh, outdated technologies on their resume, every technology they, they ever had, you know, just only, uh, you know, what is called that Lotus, next-
1: Lotus one, two, three, <laughs> <laughs> <I know. laughs>
2: you know, yeah. but you know, it, I see all kinds of stuff on there. I actually have a, uh, an article on my website. It's got like about 17,000 views now. And it's like. You know, great CIO, CTO resumes go beyond technology so people can check that out there in the tech field. But um, you don't need to go back to the beginning of time. Um, You can have a little early career section. Recruiters are the ones that usually want to know how many jobs you had and how back because they're trying to figure out your age. You know, so we don't need to spoon feed them that information. You just go back depending, you know, eight to 15 years with some detail, depending on what level you are. And then just do an early career section and don't put down the dates, just put the company and the title. You don't have to put, you know, references available by request. Companies know that you're not going to refuse them. So you don't have to point that out. You know, you're just wasting space. You know, the um, resume is very valuable real estate. And so you do want to make sure that you focus more on your current role you know, it's from an employer standpoint, it's, you know, you know, all about what you've done lately. So you really want to highlight that. And if you have just copied and pasted your job description, you definitely need to go back and do more. But think of things in car formats, challenge, action, result. What was the challenge? What was the action you took? And what was the result or situation, action, result, problem, action, result, any way that you want to do it. But sometimes that gets people out of Just being frozen in their day-to-day activities you know to to look at it that way you know to bring out something and numbers and percents and you know sales increase profit increase costs costs that you uh saved labor hours you saved all that kind of stuff is you know metrics sort of prove the claim if you're claiming this you know if you have metrics about it so if you're employed now and even if you're going to look or not, start recording that data. I have salespeople that come to me, and it's like, you don't even know your sales numbers? You know, that's like the lifeblood of a salesperson. You know, uh, they just don't, because they don't think about it. They just do their job. They don't right. think they ever do But the sales numbers are, you know, any kind of number is sexy on the resume. So you definitely want that on there. Um, we don't use objectives anymore, you know, where they say, I want a job, you know, with a challenge. but Employers don't care what you want. It's what they want, you know, and, you know, and so it's like, tell them, you know, in the summary statement, what you have and why they need to hire you, you know, to get to meet their goals, you know, not what you want. So um, that's sort of like an outdated thing that I will still see uh, on a resume. A lot of people think, oh, have to have a one page resume, you know, uh, I've I've done over 1500 resumes and 80% of them are three pages and the rest are usually two pages. I've done three page resumes for people who just got out of college. So what I tell my clients, if you don't have the first page, be compelling. If it's a one-page resume, they're not even going to get through the one page. If you have three pages and you can really grab them in that top half of the first page, then you become, they pull you out of the pile and you're a candidate. And then they want to know everything that you've done. So don't get hung up on that. But like I said, we don't need to go to three pages just so you could have, you know, 40 years of job, you know, history on there. So, you know, so those are a couple of tips you know, for your um, resume, you know, do it in Word format. Don't use tables and columns and things like that, like the templates do. You can always save it and send it in PDF. That's the best format to save it, but start with a Word document, you know, um, you know, for your resume. And then for LinkedIn, you know, just make sure your profile is optimized. You can map a lot of the information from your resume over to your LinkedIn profile, but be aware the resume is the truth, but the truth isn't always appropriate for the public space. You know, I have really high profile clients that they're planning, you know, they're preparing to shut down a division and the media follows their profile, the journalists looking for nuggets. So you have to make sure that your, um, what you put on your LinkedIn profiles for the, you know, appropriate for the public space. So you have to tone it down Um, Especially numbers or client names, things like that can be confidential. And then also do not put your resume on LinkedIn. You know, your LinkedIn profile will have enough to intrigue anybody that's interested in it. But if you put your resume in there, a recruiter can put it to pad their database and then it can send it out without your permission. You know, the the coworker that's set next to you likes your resume better than his. I'll just take, you know, her resume and put my name on it. So you definitely don't want to post it on um, LinkedIn. You know, uh, there, like I said, there's enough. There's, you know, LinkedIn gives you plenty of space and even more areas than a resume can to sort of describe your value and what you do um, and, and do all of that. So there, there's a couple of, you know, quick tips, you know, yeah. hopefully that will help the audience.
1: But I got to tell you, the greatest value is someone else looking at your life and your career path and writing that story for you. I, I've yeah. learned this in my life. I, you're never going to, you're never going to really make yourself sound as good as you are. Only someone else can do that for you, unless you are, you know, unless, unless you're a, sh- a shameless narcissist, right? You, <laughs> know, you know, I saved the world in my last job, and you know. But the reality is very few of us are shameless narcissists, and most of us are humble. We've been taught by our parents to not brag, and, be, and this is the time that your parents were wrong. You have to brag, and you can't be <laughs> humble. And but really, I, I find that letting somebody else, someone else do that, because you're not going to lie about them, but you're no. going to make them sound as best as it can be with, without skirting the truth. Well,
2: what I tell my clients is not bragging, it's facts. You know, if we develop the facts of the situation, it's a fact. It's not bragging and whatever. And also, you know, my model is sort of unique in the industry in that I interview clients. I interview the information. 20% of my work is redoing other writers' work. And most resume writers use a questionnaire, and often they'll farm that uh, questionnaire out to subcontractors. subcontractors. There's thousands and thousands in the industry. They contact me all the time. But I craft all my own projects. But I think that interview... Because you could even ask them a question on writing, like write a car statement. They can't think of anything, you know, where I, um, you know, will not let them off the hook that easy. I'm going to keep, you know, um, prodding and do the Vulcan mind Mill, you know, to make sure that I get all the info, you know, for them. But like I said, there's, you know, um, a lot of um, free resources out there. I mean, there's a lot of misinformation. So you have to be careful of uh, what you follow. There's an organization, a member Of called the National Resume Writers Association. And usually folks that are in that, you know, um, uh, follow, you know, we've done a lot of research on how employers want to see the resume, how they want to be contacted, how they want stuff. And those people in there are fairly trained and educated. I actually used to serve on the certification committee to uh, certify resume, resume writers. I've had uh, awards for my resumes. I've actually served as a judge on award committees. So I really like that um, if job seekers can go to the National Resume Writers Association, they have a search field in there, you know, with different criteria. I feel comfortable that they're getting someone with at least some minimal training. Um, and there's even, you know, you can look by a certified writer. So uh, that's another resource that they can use.
1: Go in, to. In uh, price point. Yeah. Well, I, I, the, the place to start is to either go to get hired, dot com or mm-hmm. linkedin.com slash i n slash best resume writer slash. Reach out to August. Let her do it for you because you know <laughs> no no I, I'm being I'm being yeah. sincere right you know like know. I, I know I bought I bought difficult. a pr- yeah. I bought a pressure washer right <laughs> I, but it was a cheap one so it's like fifteen hundred psi and it's really good for doing stuff like the deck. Uh, my motorcycle, the car tires, you know, but but it's not really good for doing the concrete. Mm-hmm. And I could spend an entire weekend out there trying to make <laughs> it work or I can hire a guy for $400 to come in and do the whole thing and be done with it. It's yeah. like there's times where you have to turn to other people and, and your career is one of them because careers are – what you build your life upon. Like if you're not Mm -hmm. willing to invest in your career, okay, you know, someone didn't teach you the values, the important values of life here, you know, Mm -hmm. like you got to spend a couple bucks. Tootie used to say Tootie's was a bar bar in Brooklyn that Jackie Gleason used to bartend at, And Tootie was still uh, alive when I was a young man. And he would, whenever we would come in there, the young guys, we would buy one 25 cent beer. We'd sit there all night and nurse that one beer because <laughs> we were kids. We weren't even supposed to be in yeah. there. I think I was like 17 and Tootie would come by and go for crying out loud, spend the buck, Like, you know, <laughs> you know, come on, yeah. you know, yeah. but, but no, yeah. really, you got You got it. You got to spend yeah. money on certain things. And I humbly feel that having a professional work with you for something so important as your career is not mm. being foolish. It's not.
2: being Well, foolish. thank you, Carl. Thank
1: you. And thank you and, for and being Carl, a loyal, get- a loyal fan of the show for so many years.
2: I know. I know. Since 2012. And, you know, thank you for all you do, you know, to try to to open our minds and be healthy out here and think of things in different ways. And even you and I don't 100 percent agree on things, but we can have a a civil conversation around it. And uh, I'm glad that you as a resource and you're free, you know, and that's why I encourage everybody to uh, support Carl like I do. I just got some Piedmontese, you know, steak you know, to support the you know suppliers. I bought like every supplement and everything that you've ever had and not all of them work. And some of them work great,
1: you know, right, but right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, And I appreciate it's that. Thank awesome. you very much for your loyalty and yeah. your friendship. Thank you. Yeah. And that's yeah. it for today. Tomorrow is uh Thursday. So we have a Renew Life RX show. It'll be something fascinating because I'm going to look for a good study to talk about tonight. <laughs> and, uh, and then Friday I'm off the air, but we have some really, really exciting shows. Plus for those of you who were paying attention last week, when I talked about uh, a a, uh, a specific peptide to get rid of GERD, and I talked about gastric prokinetic effects of GHRP six, well, we have a guy coming on the show next week who followed the advice, and for the first time in the past year, he's been to see he's been to see specialists. They've talked about surgeries. He can't hold down a single meal. Every meal he eats, within two to three hours, he ends up throwing it back up. I just got a message from him. Every meal he's had since using GHRP6 20 minutes before the meal has not come back up. He feels like his life has been given back to him again. So this is a very unknown treatment for GERD that only I am talking about in the whole world right now. And we have people. Well, it's the truth. I'm patting myself. Wait, let me see. But, But people are doing it. And they're like, oh, my God, Carl, you've cured me. Well, and, and that's
2: what I was curious, you know. So, you know, I'll throw the first question out there: do, Is this a cure? So, do they have to do it every time before they eat, or at some point does it heal the gut and they're done? I don't, they don't know
1: that to- yet. So, so some, So here's the here's the bottom line: Something is causing digestive motility to go awry in our population today. Mm-hmm. Many, 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 many people will tell you that oh, if I eat certain foods, it bloats me, and it just it sits in my stomach. Other people will tell you, like, I'm burping up the taste of the food I ate four hours ago. In more yeah. extreme cases, you have people literally, their, bo- their body wants to purge because that food is just not moving like it's supposed to. Yeah. And, they end, and all these people end up with GERD. They all talk about, oh, my, my food comes back up. I burp it back up. So by using a gastric prokinetic like GHRP6, which has virtually no negative effects whatsoever other than it will increase hu- uh, hunger if you use too much. Every time, 20 minutes before every meal, I have a funny feeling that over the course of time that the uh, peristalsis uh, will will reestablish its rhythmicity and you may not need it all the time. I have a feeling, but I I keep coming back to the vagal nerve. I keep coming back to leaky gut. I keep coming back to... uh, uh, coffee. I keep coming back to RF. I I look at the things that, like when you start to look at people who you know who train hard, who get to sleep early, versus people who eat crap, don't train, they they're up all night. And we all have the same problem going on with our gut. When you try to look at the, the the lowest common denominator, there's only a handful of things that we all do. We all do, regardless of lifestyle, you know, economic conditions, so on. And I think that they are, it's causing us a lot of GI problems, and that GI problem is actually rooted in slow gastric motility, which also, by the way, leads to SIBO. Yeah, like if your food now, doesn't had, move fast, you end up getting small intestinal bacterial overgrowth.
2: But did, you know, did he, has he tried different diets? Has yes, he, only
1: tried different he tried. I even had him stop all caffeine; didn't do anything. He's tried carnivore. He went strict carnivore. In fact, I think he still is pretty strict carnivore right now. It doesn't matter what he eats. Within three hours, he has to go and throw it up. And the doctors, mm-hmm. he's he's, had, he's been scoped. They, they First, they said he was a, uh, a candidate for the surgery. You know, they do that, that the, uh, esophageal sphincter surgery. Mm-hmm. Then they said he's not a candidate because something else is going on here.
2: Um, has he ever tried Botox? Botox to uh, I don't know if it's to the thing because I years ago, there was a psychologist that worked with um, what what are the, is it the bulimics that throw up um, the ones that throw up, you know, after they eat and um, you know, she would work with them. They didn't want to be bulimic anymore. They started eating, but they would continue to throw up. And so they were so frustrated because like the therapist didn't believe them and they would go to her and swear I did not, but that, that muscle or whatever is so trained. So she used um, uh, Botox to calm that down. And that was just like it worked. And then it after time, they didn't need to do it because their body was retrained to not have that response. And I had actually recommended to a neighbor who had a child that had a lot of health issues when the baby was born and so had to have a feeding tube and you know all this stuff. And then when it got... Got to the point that they could have real food. Uh, they couldn't do it. You know, right. they couldn't. They had aversion, you know, to eating, and and the same thing helped with them. So I
1: wonder if that well, would- what, what 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 Botox would do is it would stop the esophageal sphincter from just opening. Mm-hmm. But if your food isn't moving, that could be a disaster. I mean, right. if you because if you can't vomit, if you, you try to vomit, and the esophageal sphincter yeah. won't open. Now you're you've got this undigested food It can't go down, it can't go up. Now you're in trouble. They'd well,
2: pl- it think be a problem with those bulimics. You know that she didn't describe. Yes. Yes. Then we had this whole other issue because you know it's out of my you know above my pay grade. But you know there's probably some whole chain from the brain yes. all the way down. And if that is, if that's the initiator, then everything else is. Is um, following suit, but if that's not happening, maybe the rest of the stuff won't
1: happen. So we have uh, the, the the new service we use uh, for our videos. They have privacy, uh, which my other company didn't, and we found this out. So depending on your privacy setting on Facebook, your your name may or may not appear. So someone posted this. Maybe it balances serotonin production. Serotonin over or well, under production linked to nausea and gastric issues. Definitely, that's not his problem. It's not. Mm-hmm. Because the, yeah. because you, you it, it, because food isn't moving at all, and and ghrp six is not increasing serotonin. It's it's a it's 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 basically shutting off somatostatin. Number one is what it's doing, uh, but it also is a ghrelin. It's a synthetic ghrelin. So when you're hungry, when you're really hungry. The gut not only wants food, but it's going to process it fast so you can keep eating until it's not hungry anymore. So what this does, a gastric prokinetic makes you hungry and makes the stomach go, we're here, we're going to do this job, just send us the food, and it, and it moves the food out of the stomach faster and into the small intestine faster. It does not affect the large intestine or the colon. It just gets the food into the small intestine faster. And that seems to be the problem with some people. Their gut isn't pushing the food down into the small intestine. It's just lingering in the stomach. They feel it. They're bloated. They cramp. They don't understand. They hate eating. And in in the severe cases, they literally have to vomit the food back up because it's not going anywhere. Yeah, and then you set that
2: pattern, you know, you set that whole pattern. And um, even if you try to do something, you know, like those, uh, you know, those bulimics that it, you know the system is already primed to throw up the food or whatever. Yes, so, yes. Yeah, yes. Really if you can call him one thing, but I'll be curious. So he has been using it.
1: Yeah, he take t- message. So he's been messaging me every single day, and mm-hmm. I, and I said, "Will you come on the show?" And he said, "Absolutely." And so this mm-hmm. morning, this is what he messaged me. He said, "Every meal, every shake has stayed down today. I can't believe it." Yeah. Yeah. Every meal, every shake. Now, before that wasn't the case. Every meal, every shake, he ended up vomiting back up. Of
2: course, yeah, you know, when I hear like every meal and every shake, I'm like, uh, oh, I wonder what he's
1: eating, you know. <laughs> but Oh no, but no, also- no, no, no. You know, he's a he's a bodybuilder. He's a yeah. he's a he's a very he's a competitive bodybuilder. I don't want to say his name until he comes on the show. Okay. But yeah. he's a, he and he and he's, he owns a gym and he's a personal trainer and he knows his stuff. Yeah, and, and, and when
2: you when you have that happen, then you have like, a, you get a fear aversion, you know. To you eat, don't want to eat. eat. Yeah, that doesn't even help. And if this, you know, by affecting the ghrelin hormon, hormone, you know, that sends some different signals, you know, maybe that could help too. So years yeah. ago,
1: years ago, I said, probably 10 years ago, maybe longer, because I've been using GHRP6 for as long as I've been doing this show. Really?
2: But, I mean, you have issues with. GERD
1: or something? No, 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 no! It's a, so you take a, you take growth hormone releasing hormone and GHRP six together, and it causes a, oh. a, a pulse of growth hormone. Okay. So I would use that on and off instead of using growth hormone. Mm-hmm. But I also use GHRP six when I was bulking because I wanted to eat a lot more food. So GHRP six makes you hungry.
0: Mm-hmm. If you take
1: if you take two hundred fifty micrograms of GHRP six, you have to be careful not to eat your fingers. <laughs> I'm not joking. <laughs> and I always and I always said, even back then, I said, this would be an amazing drug for elderly people because elderly people lose their appetite, food doesn't move through them quick anymore, they'll eat one or two meals, and then they slowly just waste. Their bones get thinner, their muscles disappear. And if we just gave elderly people 125 to 150 micrograms of GHRP6 before they're supposed to eat, they would eat everything in front of them, and they would be robust because we all know— that having a strong appetite is a sign of 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 aging better. Because people mm-hmm. have strong appetites. You know, like, like my father, he had a strong appetite his whole life. Until two weeks before he died, he stopped eating. He yeah. just stopped eating. We couldn't get him to eat anything. Yeah,
2: yeah. Now, do you think... Um Though, you know, you're, you, you've referenced, like, you know, food needs to go through you fast. And, you know, I, I sort of thought food doesn't need to go through you fast, you know, because it needs to absorb the nutrients. And that's why, you know, vegetarians or vegans or people that are eating, you know, fiber to get things to move through. And, like, you know, carnivores, they, you know, only have to go to the bathroom, you know, maybe every three or four days. But, ghrelin,
1: but ghrelin increases the production. The machinery works faster. It's not mm-hmm. that it pushes it through you fast. It's that you you, you 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 digest food like you did when you were young. Mm-hmm. It just mm-hmm. you get everything out of the food. It's not mm-hmm. like as though you're you're going to end up with a nutrient deficiency by using a grelin, uh, okay. a, a synthetic grelin like this. You're actually go, your digestive system works like it used to, mm-hmm. and everything mm-hmm. goes through you it, the way it's supposed to. Like if mm-hmm. you were famished, if you are hungry, because your body mm-hmm. wants another meal now. It, like I'm yep. not done eating yet, so we have to eat more. That's mm-hmm. why finding the right dose is critical. The dose that you take has to be enough to stimulate peristalsis, but not enough to make you famished, where all you want to do is eat right. for the next hour. Right, right, right. Well, very I know. interesting. Yeah, what yeah. yeah. And I discovered this on my own. Like I, I, I you know, I, I, You know what it is? People reach out to me all the time, and they say, "I have this problem." Yeah. And, and then I let me think about it, and I'm not really sitting there thinking about it. But then all of a sudden. <laughs> Like, in the back of my mind, the hard drive is still running, and it's like, I wonder if ghrelin has an effect on motility. And it does. And then once I found the first study, I found the other study, and then I found the study where they actually gave GHRP6 to diabetic mice because diabetic mice have – diabetic people have very, very slow gastric emptying. They're very, Mm -hmm. very slow. And sure enough, in the mice, they gave them the equivalent of about – uh, 200 micrograms to a human being and mm-hmm. and the food was processed quickly and they they became healthy and they looked good and I mean and, and they all had GERD before that yeah they all had, so so it's uh it's it's something that the uh, I just got lucky because I I started thinking down these lines like I know ghrelin makes you hungry I wonder if it also affects digestion
2: yeah I've I, you know we've commented on this before like I think you have like a photographic memory, you know, like when you're interviewing someone, you'll go and you're talking to about whatever. And then all of a sudden randomly you say, yeah, I was talking to Dr. So-and-so in 2008 and he referenced this study. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I <laughs> you can't
0: know.
2: remember, you know, yeah. the from the day before. And I'm like, what? Yeah. They just pull this out all the time. You do that. Like, my, memory my, st- my memory is my,
1: my memory is my stock and trade. And I remember things from when I was a, a baby that yeah. I remember my mother, You know, me telling my mother. I remember crawling out of the climbing out of the crib that day, and you and Valerie taking me back to the crib. And she said, "You know, I can't believe you remember that. Like we never talked about it. It's not like I overheard it and I synthesized it into a memory. But I've been blessed with a a big head and a lot of storage space. (laughs) A lot of storage space. (laughs) Listen, thanks, thanks so much for being here today. This is this is good stuff, and I hope if we help one person in the audience uh, get on to being uh, living the best life they can. During these tough times, then we did our job.
2: You know, keeping them employed or getting them, you know, employed fast. So um, hopefully it was helpful. And thank you for all you do. And
1: we'll see each other around Facebook. That's it. Take care. And uh, we'll see everybody tomorrow with more Superhuman Radio. Thank you for watching and listening today.